Okay, um, so we're here today with uh, as part of our Adelaide Entrepreneur podcasting. We're today here with Chris Grimes, and we first met Chris Grimes on day 139 of our journey. Chris is from the UK, um, and just a bit about Chris. Chris uses a lot of humour and storytelling in how he works. Plus, he could probably beat you at tennis. He keeps telling us. Table tennis. Table tennis. Terrified. <laughs> Um, he has 21 years of experience as a facilitator, personal impact coach and speaker. He is a drama teacher, an actor, and a comedy improvisation performer by training and background. So I'm really looking forward to this discussion. So uh, thanks very much, Chris, for uh, joining us today. You're very welcome. And, and what a great initiative you two are up to. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. I thought it would be just great to start for you to give a bit about yourself. Um, you know, so everyone can hear about you and what you're Know, what your background is, what you've done, what you're doing today. Um, um, yeah, because um, when we spoke to you that, that, that first day, it's, uh, it was just a funny conversation. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to hearing from you again today. Sure. I mean, you gave me a beautiful introduction just then. You've sort of nailed what I would tell you about myself anyway. My all-time comic hero, Stan Laurel. And so I was seven years old, living in Uganda, where I lived until I was 10. And uh, a black and white tilly television hummed into action. And then Laurel and Hardy came on. And Stan Laurel um, was the first Bordevillian clown, you know, human being to really, really make me laugh outside of my own family situation. And um, to this day, he reminds me to keep it kind, to keep it humble, to keep it funny and to keep it engaging. And, and about the warmth and the, the humility in, you know, making sure you are generous and kind to your fellow human beings. Um, is someone that I return to as being a sort of factory default setting. So I'm not comparing myself directly to yep. Stan Laurel, but when I became an actor, um, one of my first theatre notices was this man has fine comic timing with shades of Stan Laurel. And I couldn't have been happier because it means <laughs> that you know, in life, what you give out, you will get back. And that's what's called the law of reciprocity in the psychology of influence. What you give out, you will get back. And so it's this idea of keeping your compass pointing true north, one of my mantras for work is that good work leads to good work. You know, if you keep doing good work, people will come back to you. If I may, what's really lovely and enjoyable about our reconnection is obviously we had an impact with each other before. And yep. there's a reciprocity implicit in that because you've actually come back to say, oh, can we record this now? So yes. that's sort of proof of the same, I suppose, philosophy coming true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, you know, yeah, so you're an actor. Like, what did you do with acting out of curiosity? I didn't. Well, I, I trained as a drama teacher and then an actor. I wanted to be an actor, but my father, who's still alive in his uh, middle eighties, uh, gave me advice when I was nineteen, which was, "Son, he's not from America, but he, I'm going to make him son. Son, if you want to be an actor, be a teacher first. So it will give you something to fall back on." Now. Actually, it was brilliant sage-like advice. And as we know people um, in our lives, uh, advice is either good, bad, crap, or indifferent. And often if it's parental advice, we'll do everything but that and swim in the different direction. But actually it was beautiful advice because to this day, I still use all the transferable skills of being an actor, a drama teacher, a comedy improvisation performer, as I've evolved into being, and now a facilitator and a coach. And they're all skills that actually pull me in the same direction yeah. and so comedy, sorry no no not at all you know comedy improvisation I'm, I'm fascinated by because that's all about you know thinking um, um not having preparation to think you've got to think on your on your feet so 
Yeah, just very cute. Yeah, be very interested to hear more about that aspect of your, of your life. And, and interestingly, people are always like, oh gosh, you do comedy improvisation. You, 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 you do things immediately and spontaneously. And actually the true nature of being human is about being in the now. It's now, now, now. I think I mentioned last time we spoke, there's a beautiful gif online, which is called the clock of now, which is now, 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 now. And so it's this idea that actually we're far more able to be spontaneous than we truly appreciate. But when you put that into the craft of a comedy improvisation show, you know, I've run a, a comedy improvisation company called Instant Wit for the last 20 odd years or so. And actually what's beautiful about it, you walk on stage, an empty stage brimming and charged with potential because anything is possible. Yes, it's scary if you're in the audience thinking, blimey, these guys haven't got a script. But actually in truth, you've only got to be one beat timing wise in front of your audience or ahead of your audience and everyone will think you're going at lightning speed. Mm. So there's a safety to that in that actually a bit like what we're talking now, we're not sticking to a script, are we? We're actually just having a conversation where we're, we're riffing off the idea of being a good listener and what comes next. So there are many transferable skills of improvisation and the mindset and the methodology of yes and, yes and, yes and, yes and, which brings you into a space of possibility where it helps you remember to remind yourself to listen better. Right, okay. That's amazing. Is that making sense? Yes, it does. I've never actually thought of it that way, but yeah, you could transfer the skills you learn from comedy improvisation about how to have really good conversations almost. Because you, you have to think on your feet. And even thinking, yes, and, you know, off, uh, that's the underlying mindset of, of a comedy improviser. You're always thinking, yes, and, yes, and. It becomes the building blocks of the scenes that you're doing. But it, when someone says something, I mean, even actors, you know, on stage, you, you shouldn't just get into a mindset where you're just trying to remember your lines and then, oh, it's my turn. Now let me just download my lines at you. The, the best actors are those that are acute listening or listeners, you know, as, as an ancient European mystic called Rudy Shelley, who was my acting teacher at the Bristol Obic Theatre School. He was a bit like Yoda, mm, acting teacher will I will. But he would say stuff like, acting is reacting. And what he meant by that was that your, whatever you say next is because of what's just been said, if you're listening. So, so what did you do to help you with that? Like, how did you learn to... To, 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 is it just practice or is there, there there's certain skills that you, you know, how did you get better at that? Well, if you think about it, as a human being, you're, you've prepared your entire life for this moment. And so actually, it's, it's the number of flying hours of being a human. You know, wisdom comes with age because actually you stop worrying about stuff that you can't change so much. You know, when you see somebody who's become really wise, they're willing to be quiet more. They're willing to sweat less and sweat the small, not sweat the small stuff. Often, you know, wisdom comes from the ability to realize that actually I've got choices. I don't have to worry so much about stuff I used to worry about. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, that's, I hope I'm riffing. Am I making sense in how no, I'm riffing? Just, <laughs> certainly, like, you know, just letting all that sink in. It's just, um, yeah, no, brilliant. No, no. Just awesome, Chris. Well, one of my very, very favourite actors is an actor called Mark Rylance, who is a very prestigious actor here in the UK. He's, he's renowned for being an actor's actor, if you like, but he's also become a real foil of Steven Spielberg 
of late. And um, one of the really profound things about him is why he's so good is because he's an acutely good listener. So he's one of these, you know, my favorite actors that I've be ever been on stage on with are actors who spend their entire time focusing on making everyone else look good. And in my world of coaching about giving somebody a damn good listening to it, it's about how you can help others improve or get better or feel better about themselves. So that's the dynamic. But why I'm talking about Mark Rylance is that um, there was a, a really famous radio program which could have gone global, which is called uh, Desert Island Discs. It's where you, you speak to someone about, you know, how have you become who you are? And Mark Rylance as an actor, as a, as, a, as a little boy, was mute until he was about four or five years old. And if you think about it, with hindsight, that's what makes him such a beautiful actor because he spent most of his early formative years just listening and watching. And, and the best actors are acute observers. And, and by the way, that's why I like Laurel and Hardy so much. Oliver Hardy, the, the sort of more rotund one, if you like, um, grew up apparently in a Texas hotel and he used to spend his early years just people watching. And so that informed character choices and decisions later on for his characters. And then when he was partnered with Stan Laurel, who was the real sort of comic technician, um, Oliver or Babe Hardy would spend his life, you know, when he wasn't in the studio playing golf, whereas Stan Laurel would always be the one that was trying to work out how to make the comedy work. So yeah. it's, it's the different dynamics of partnerships and relationships and how they made each other look good by allowing each other to play to their strengths, if you like. I love that insight on listening because um, it's just something that we're starting to learn ourselves is that you know, to communicate more than anything, you have to be a good listener. So, yeah, and In your own journey, and when we first met, I was really struck with you saying that this has come about, your whole initiative to spend a whole year meeting different people, 365, unless it's a leap year, in which you yes, which it is. <laughs> yeah. How it was your way of, of trying to address how can I stop being so introverted? Yes. And it's this idea of, Yes, and so if you're doing comedy improvisation, that's beautiful. I'd bring you towards this place. And in terms of um, communication skills, it's how can I cross the line to connect? And people are intrinsically behind the line, on the line, or in front of the line in how they connect. And really good connection is about being willing to just step across the line. And you don't need to be a screaming extrovert to find your way of coming in front of the line to go, da da, yeah. this is me. I'm here. And if you've got an attitude of yes and, then it will be okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for that insight. So, You're welcome. <laughs> so, so from comedy improvisation, you've gone into coaching. Um, so what's your next step? Where, where did you go and how did that lead to what you're doing today? Well, there's a Darwinian quote which really struck me of late, um, which was, it's not the survival of the, the fittest, it's the survival of those that are most agile. So one of the things about this current um, global viral storm we're all experiencing is, is us all to appreciate how we've lent into this crisis or how we've, um, it's sometimes called fallen upwards. So in terms of evolving, I, my, a lot of my work in, in going into you know, live training rooms stopped. But what I have done, I've noticed now with a bit of hindsight, is how I decided to lean in was I just decided to amplify almost going back to my roots, a bit more of the, the comedy side of what I do. And in fact, what I have done is I've been seeding a Facebook group, which is called hashtag lol virus. 
<laughs> spreading a bit of antivirus and a bit of happiness. So I've been just curating this space where people can, I suppose, you know, catch the zeitgeist of letting off a bit of steam because humor, you know, humor, there's a really nice quote about humor, which I have here, which is we have to laugh because laughter, as we already know, is the first evidence of freedom. Right. And that's by someone called Rosanna Castellanos. And um, it was just this idea that, you know, I thought, well, actually, comedy comes out of adversity. And it reminds us that we're human if we can still see humour in adversity. So I've, I suppose, still flexed the comedy muscle, but I've just been amplifying how I can just make people's lives a bit happier through a bit of comedy, whilst I'm, like everybody else is, in lockdown, in a bit of an airlock of where I used to function or where I used to think was where I would go to make my work happen. But I've, and this isn't about money either, because obviously it's not something I'm being paid for, nor is what we're doing here. This is just about how we can spread a little joy and happiness by connection. Correct. Yeah, yeah and, and yeah, exactly, because life's just about connecting. And, and if you do it with the right heart-centred, which is with no agenda, you know, over time, who knows what might come from it. So, yeah. Um, what, and it's the notion of random acts of kindness, by the way. You know, so much of humanity is about the random acts of kindness. Ping pong or table tennis. Yes. I'd like to hear more about uh, your uh, prowess in ping pong and table tennis. Well, um, I used to play table tennis as a kid and then I stopped, you know, I played at school for a while and then just around about the same time, my son, who's going to be 13 tomorrow. I've got oh, two children. My daughter's 20, but my son is uh, Stan. By the way, he's called Stan. Guess why? Because of my love of Stan Laurel. <laughs> I always wanted a son called Stan. I even tried to call my daughter Lily Stan in the early days, but my wife wasn't having that. Only joking. But um, uh, Stan is 13 tomorrow. Um, and, and we love playing ping pong together. And in life, it's just really good to do things that are not so much about your head. It's just something with your hands. So people cook or, you know, garden, putting your hands in soil. But a really good thing to do is, is to just find something that you do that's slightly external that pulls you out of your head. So I really enjoy the discipline of ping pong. And my, my joke is that, you know, I, I can help you to communicate better. I can make you laugh because of my comedy improvisation experience. And then if you'll allow me, once I've done that, I can then take you out and thrash you at ping pong. <laughs> and I was giving a talk once for a big global monolithic banking institution. And I said, hi, I'm Chris Grimes. I can help you to communicate better. I can make you laugh. And I can probably beat you at ping pong. Someone put their hand up and said, I'll give you a game. And then during the lunch break, I did beat him. And then he came back to the seminar I was running the afternoon. And he went, yep, he did beat me. And rather strangely, I slept really well that night because I set out to achieve everything I'd set out to do in a day. And sometimes in life, happiness is right there in front of you. you know, I'd, I'd done all those things and I'd thrash somebody at ping pong. So it was all really good fun. So it's a happy place for me is when I'm twonking a ball back in ping pong. Sure, well, conversation and listening is also, if you think of, of the metaphor, it's about the toing and throwing of, of reciprocity. Like, it's why I like tennis too. It's a longer game, obviously, and you can hit it harder. But I also like it, it's the, the pinging and ponging of relationships is a, a good analogy in there. We look forward to the day we get over to the UK and we can have a game of ping pong with you. Oh, are you quite good? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Donna, Donna's a. Uh... Donnie, Donnie used to play for a club in a town that she lived in. 
I like the fact that I've talked you both down with your body language. I said, are you good? Sort of bigging up my, my own prowess. And you oh, no, no, no. And then Donna's going, no, in the background. So I'm already scared you into feet. I love that. Yeah, I'm better than him for sure. But I'm sure you would thrash me. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I, I'm very happy to lose as well because I love it when someone really does. Be, it's such a curious game because everybody plays it differently. Yeah. Um, and there have been some very comic times when I assumed I was absolutely going to win, but I was monumentally thrashed. And it's a very humbling experience when that happens. Yeah. Um, so apart from everything that we know about you so far, what's, what's something else interesting about yourself, Chris? Oh, a big testing question. Um, something else was just a story I heard recently, which is just very helpful. Uh, and I ran a, a, a panel uh, conversation about this online, which was everyone was saying from the get go of this crisis that we're all in the same boat. But the spin on this is no, 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 no. We're not in the same boat at all. We're actually just all in the same storm. And our vessels, our capacity to be resilient, you know, our journeys within this storm, our, you know, our narratives, our stories are all different. And as we know, it's about perspective. There are many, many people in this world who are probably far worse off than you might be, I might be, and we might be, anyone listening. But also in terms of perspective, there are many, many people who are far better off than we might be. So it's this whole idea of keeping calm in a crisis, keeping perspective, be, you know, grateful for what we do have. You know, it's not about comparison necessarily, but you know, it's to keep hold of what you do have because actually we are very blessed if you can just have the basics there in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that wasn't necessarily a thing about me. That's just about a story that, that struck me that's, that's made quite a lot of sense recently. Yeah. So, um, at the moment, like, what is what do you see is your the future for you? Like, what would you really like to be able to? When you look at it, we've only got a short amount of time, 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 and for us, they're a bit older. Our time is shorter. So, what is it for you, Chris, that you'd really like to do, um, or with the time that you have left? Um, if my absolute fantasy could come true, I'd end up being able to curate a space where people could come to. Um, why I love comedy improvisation so much is this idea of a, as I've mentioned before, it's an empty space, a circle, like a theatre drama circle that's, that's charged and brimming with potential. I'd love to be able to curate in a beautiful environment a place where people could come to explore the methodology and the mindset of comedy improvisation and the liberation that comes with the mindset of yes and as a, a sort of psychology and a life philosophy. So if money was no object, I would probably curate um, a, a, just a, a really beautiful sanctuary for people to come to where there'd be a drama space there'd be a beautiful cooking space and then there'd be a ping pong table where I could also <laughs> throw people at night. I really like what you said there about the freedom that comes with liberating the mindset because it, that's really where it all is isn't it? Yes your, your, your mind can set you free but it also can be what tortures you the most. <laughs> yeah, <true. laughs> So what's your favourite subject at the moment? Like if you were given, um, you know, freedom to someone asked, you know, what's your favourite topic? Happy free to talk on anything. What, what's, what's the favourite subject or topic? My, my current passion is I'm just leaning into looking for humour and adversity. And there is a joke of the moment that actually for me triggered uh, the whole LOL virus thing about how we need to be humorous in times of adversity. And if you'll allow me, I'll just tell you this joke. Absolutely. And no pressure, you don't have to laugh, but a, a man is sitting at home late at night, self-isolating, as we now do in the current world order, 
and suddenly there's a knock at the door and he thinks who's that this time of night i'm supposed to be self-isolating that's very irresponsible what's this community coming to he goes to the door and then what are the chances an eight foot beetle i don't mean paul mccartney but an eight foot actual beetle grabs hold of him with its mandibles by the neck shakes him up and down a bit and then throws him on his front lawn and uses all six legs and gets back in there with his mandibles to kick eight shades of you know what out of him and then abandons the man on the lawn and the man comes around a bit bloodied and a bit disheveled not really quite able to process what's just happened so he gets on the remote medical helpline and rings up and then speaks to a doctor and he says look i'm a bit confused about how i can explain this but he explains what happened he's a bit bloody and disheveled and the doctor said if i can just stop you there i know exactly what's happening there's a very nasty bug going round. <laughs> hey, hey, very nasty bug going round. Thank you very much, here all week. So that joke um, hatched the sort of beetle's eggs, if you like, of, um, I can't remember if a beetle lays eggs, but anyway, it, it, it actually seeded the idea of hashtag law virus for me about using humour in times of adversity. Because don't forget that lovely quote, we have to laugh because laughter, as we already know, is the first evidence of freedom yeah. yeah and it's very hard just even even now like it's very very hard to think unhappy thoughts when you're laughing whether it's a forced laugh or a fake laugh or a real laugh when you're laughing it's very hard to think negative thoughts and in fact my absolute dream is is you know this idea of, of just as i said curating this space of yes and I'm, I'm never happier than i'm in when i'm in front of an audience making them laugh yeah so in a way, I don't need to make them laugh, but I just need to sort of enable a space where people are happy. So when we, when we spoke last time, I'm just trying to check some truth here. So when we spoke last time, you said um, that the day before you got the message from me about catching up, you saw a movie by... Um, Jim Carrey. Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Yeah. Was that yeah. true? It absolutely was. On the Friday night before we spoke on the Sunday, I'd see, I mean, I'm, I'm all about yes and, yes and, yes and, but the Jim Carrey film, which is called The Yes Man, I think, I'm, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to remember the title of it now, but bizarrely, even though it was, you know, published, made about 15, 20 years ago, I'd just never seen it. And it just has this beautiful philosophy. I mean, the film actually isn't perfect. It loses its way a bit, but the early stuff is just absolutely rich about just say yes and see what happens. You know, don't say no but because it's just life limiting if you keep saying no but. Yes and is just a brilliant philosophy. Awesome. And, and also, you know, there was that connected, linked to the comedy rule of three. Um, I, I've seen the yes and, you get in touch and then your name is Stephen Fry and there's a, a brilliant comedian, as we know, presence called Stephen Fry as well, another brilliant man in this country. And someone you'd recently interviewed played ping pong. Really? There was somebody on your on your oh. list, and I, I think he might have been from Asia somewhere, but a guy who spent a lot of his leisure time playing ping pong. Oh, okay. So there were just various triggers in my mind to think, yes, and. Oh, awesome. Look, um, before we wrap up here, and really appreciate, appreciate your time, is there any um, last thoughts or anything uh, you know, that you would like to share to, to, to anyone listening to this podcast right now at this point in time?
using pause here to work out exactly what to say. But I, if I may, I'll just do the rule of three and reincorporate a quote that's just resonated really well for me. It's that we have to laugh because laughter, as we already know, is the first evidence of freedom. So keep a sense of humor, keep a sense of perspective, keep swimming, keep your compass pointing through north because, you know, keep it kind, keep it humble and try and keep it happy and, and you know, trust your ability to be adaptable in times of adversity. It is cool. the human condition and we're all just winging it. Cool. Thank you so much, Chris. Like, it really is appreciated to, to think that, you know, there's someone on the other side of the world we just connected with um, via LinkedIn, had a chat, and now we're sitting here recording this. Um, and I know people listening to this are just going to be, um, you know, having a great chuckle through this. So, you know, I can just imagine people laughing as they're listening to this recording, which, uh, you know, which just, just, yeah, it's just such a great feeling. So, but we are very grateful, um, very appreciative of you sharing today. So, yeah, just thank you very much. By the way, one other fascinating dynamic, which is why this is such a beautiful idea, because, you know, there's a really interesting psychological proposition to do with personal impact, which is that human beings are 95% utterly self-obsessed. If you think about this, most people's lens on the world is me, 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 yeah. me, 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 me. And while I'm broadcasting at you, what do you think about me? And so one of the really powerful dynamics about coaching is that you get people to talk about their favorite subject in the whole world. And guess what that is? It's themselves. And so this is a really warm and generous thing you're doing because you're just allowing someone to get on the open road of just letting their thinking unfold. And if it's a really wonderful conversation, you know, we'll both be fueled off the fact that we've had a decent conversation and we have connected. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, if you want to use the film version of this as well, I have no, I, I'm slightly embarrassed because my family, as I said, have just attacked me with clippers in the last couple of days. I look slightly like a mad Mohican, but um, what can you do? Yeah, thanks, Chris.